What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. When intense violence happens in our neighborhoods, we can't just pass it by. I'm your host today on Law and Disorder, Jesse Strauss. Just yesterday, on Wednesday, September 28th, six people were shot at an East Oakland High School campus in a local mass shooting. Our guest this morning is Jose Garcia, the safety specialist at Redsdale High School and the program manager of the Newcomer Success and Safety Initiative there. Redsdale shares a campus with Sojourner Truth High School where the shooting took place. Jose, thank you for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So you're the safety specialist at Redsdale. It's on a large campus that houses the Baytech Charter School, OUSD schools like the Redsdale Dale Continuation and Newcomer High Schools, where you work, and also the Sojourner Truth Independent Study. Before we get into better understanding how these school campuses are connected and what this incident means for building a culture of school safety there, Jose, as far as you understand, can you talk us through what happened yesterday? Um, so we're still like trying to get all the details together to make sure that we have a, a very comprehensive uh, account of what happened. Um, so, so um, according there's some discrepancies between eyewitnesses, police narrative, the mayor's narrative, and uh, so we haven't had a chance ourselves to uh, review a lot of the footage and stuff like that since everybody was locked in. Um, I supported behind the police lines on the other side of the yellow tape, uh, make sure that like students were you know. Um, receiving like proper uh care and um legal representation because sadly um police department started badgering some of the witnesses and the victims instead of like really trying to figure out what happened you know a lot of us uh, have a lot of questions wednesday's a pretty busy day for us uh we're at food distribution site uh we started like providing food for families uh, so Wednesday is pretty hectic uh, day for us, period, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why there was such a huge amount of, like, staff and, like, you know, our after-school uh, providers, et cetera. Um, so there was some shootings, I believe. As far as we know, there were non-students. There were not students from our campus that went in and fired indiscriminately. So as far as we know, there hasn't been any, like, accounts of it being targeted to any specific uh, people or, or student populations, right? Um, and right now, like, our main priority is just figuring out uh, the assailants and the motives so we can begin figuring out, like, what the root causes are and how we can move forward and really begin healing our um, our educational community. Uh, this campus is not just a school, it's, it's just a community. Uh, we mainly, uh, well, my job title, like, mainly works with unaccompanied minors and immigrant youth. So for a lot of them, this is the only safe space they know. And, um, you know, uh, we're one of the safest schools in the whole district. Like, for the newcomer site, we haven't had a fight since 2005. So it kind of contradicts a lot of the social media narratives and um, other narratives that are trying to, like, push that, like, you know, Continuation schools are a bunch of bad kids, et cetera, right? A lot of our students are there, are there because the system already failed them or, you know, not because the students are failing themselves. So we're like their last chance at 
you know, at, at an education. Well, Jose, I want to go back and learn more about the student body that you work with, but I want to talk a little bit more about one of the things you said that you saw yesterday. It was very alarming to hear you say that the police department started badgering some of the students and victims, it sounds like, before they even really got out of the dangerous area. Can you, can you say what you mean by that? What, what was happening? You know, so according to some of the students is that, you know, and, and staff is that the police started asking, it's like, hey, is this kid, you know, involved in gangs, et cetera. And we're talking about the, the victims, right, the victims of the, the shooting. Um, and to me, that's really alarming because, um, you know, folks are trying to figure out what's happening. And it sounds like the police that showed up on campus already had a, a pre-written narrative of what happened, you know, you know, so it's like they were asking, is this kid like part of MS-13 and all these other things that one is like, well, we're not, we wouldn't like disclose any incriminating, you know, information about a student, you know, um, and also so, it's like, you know, we're not at liberty to like categorize students as gang members or not. And second of all, it's like, there was no evidence, eyewitness accounts or, anything that even supported that narrative at all. And um, the only reason why they kept asking that is because one of the victims was Guatemalan, who um, was, like, walking out of the one of the spaces and was uh, shot in the arm. So it's not like it was, like, a clear targeting of Central American students, right? And um, also there was, like, not a huge, like, you know, determining factor that, like, hey, they were targeting Central American students or this was, like, motivated by, you know, their nationality you know um they have previously come on campus to ask the same questions hey you know we're seeing upscale you know uptick in you know violent incidents uh with central american students etc right but we're all trying to figure out like what's the truth behind this incident because that's the only way you can address the root causes of it and really triage the situation um so that's kind of like our main priority right not play the blame game but really like get to the root causes to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, um, you're the safety specialist at Redsdale and many of the students there are recently arrived immigrants who have fled their home countries because of violence and, and instability. From your position, like what is what does this sh school shooting mean in terms of building a culture of school safety? And also, like, how does that interact with how police in general, are interacting with your students. It sounds like they were already assuming the worst even during the this tragic incident. Right. So, um, first and foremost, like I myself, right, and this is just in my my capacity as a community member. You know, I live in Oakland. You know, you know, attended public schools. Right. Is that I never believe that policing or more policing is the answer to problems right, that originate from the community. So I believe that community problems need community solutions. Um, mm -hmm. And that means that, like, if the problems that affect our students are complex, our solutions also need to be complex, right? Um, you know, we always hear that saying that, you know, it takes a village, right, but um, to solve a lot of the problems, but also takes a village to hold our young people accountable and make sure that they have the care, the empathy, the you know, all these tools that they need to not just cope with um, everything that they go through every day, but also to make healthy choices. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the young people are not equipped with like healthy coping mechanisms. They come from trauma, 
you know, afflicted communities and homes, right? So right right off the bat, before they even come to a school, they're already, like, facing a lot of, like, both systemic and, like, socioeconomic, you know, um, issues before they even cross our doors. So a lot of times schools end up being their social hub for resources, mental health services, and all these other things. So it's, like, it, it's, it's well above and beyond, like, the school's capacity. So we're trying to create the infrastructure to even support that because, like, that's that's pretty much where a lot of these kids feel safe. So in terms of creating a culture of uh, safety in schools, it's, it's going to take the whole community. It, it can't just be schools. It can't just. It definitely cannot just be, you know, advisory boards and 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 policing and and polit- politicians at the top. It's going to take everybody, from parents, you know, guardians, community members, all the, every single stakeholder that interacts with the young people in our communities needs to also be involved in keeping all of our young people safe. And that's how we really achieve long lasting change. Right. Um, I believe that policing is just a stop measure where you're only treating the symptom and you're always going to be playing catch up. You know, you're not going to ever really address the root cause because you're just dealing with the symptoms. It's just like taking Tylenol when you got cancer, you know, it's it's not going to fix it. It might make you feel good for a little bit, but it's not going to fix it. That's the voice of Jose Garcia, safety specialist at Redsdale High School and the program manager of the Newcomer Success and Safety Initiative at that site. Jose, before we leave it there, I have to ask, what's next for your school community? You are the safety specialist there. How do you move forward from here? I think it's a um, first steps is going to be, one, uh, do a direct assessment on what needs to happen, right, to... uh, in the immediate, ensure the safety of students. Two, a really thorough canvassing of what led to this incident. Um, and three, definitely uh, supporting both financially, psychologically, and spiritually our students that were affected by this um, by this incident. Uh, reached out to several community members, both in their organizational and like individual uh, basis, to come and support a lot of these young people. A lot of our service providers were already at capacity before this incident happened. Coming from the pandemic, our young people had a spike on substance use and um, a lot of other like pressing factors that really challenges their mental health. So we were already at capacity trying to deal with the post-pandemic effects on on the young people's lives. And now this happened. So it's just kind of like we have to kind of rely on on a broader network to support them. Uh, you know, if we all had as adults had a hard time with the pandemic, just imagine what young people went through, right? And that's folks that, you know, now that we're going back in person, this is why we're seeing a lot of these things resurfacing, right? Because it, it was the, the neglect that a lot of these young people suffered during the pandemic. So, yeah, so that's our next steps to, to really just deep it, you know, deep dive into these issues. Well, Jose, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. No, likewise. Thank, thank you for uh, having me here. Appreciate it. That was the voice of Jose Garcia, safety specialist at Redsdale High School and the program manager of the Newcomer Success and Safety Initiative at that site, which experienced a tragic mass shooting yesterday where six people were shot. We are sending love and healing to the school community. This country has mass shootings all the time. It's unique in the world outside of actual war. And yesterday it hit close to home for myself for my co-host, Kat Brooks, and for the rest of our KPFA family, it is scary. 
especially when it hits close to home. I myself have nieces and nephews in Oakland schools. I have numerous family members who work in the district. I saw one friend post on social media that they had left the school where this happened, their workplace just a few minutes before the shooting occurred. It's hard to drive home, home the impact that these horrific events have on our communities. And while I lit a candle last night for the people who were shot, and I have them in my thoughts, I can't articulate enough how tragic this is for our entire community. The trauma we endure, whether it's being physically injured, in fear of being targeted ourselves, in fear of our loved ones being hurt, or just the ongoing tragedy of living in communities that have been under-resourced for so long. It's heavy. There have already been calls by politicians for more police involvement at these school sites or more gun control. These are easy outs that have not proven themselves to keep us safe. And on this show, on Law and Disorder, we know that we need to look in more complex and more nuanced ways. We know that when our local governments funnel more money to police, we don't experience a world of less violence. We often talk about finding resources for physical and mental health care, and we talk about supporting education and a shooting at a school that targets six human beings is at the center of all of those things. The reason that we understand violence within communities to be a result of state violence in the prison industrial complex is that our local, state, and national governments have been increasing the budgets for various types of policing for decades. That money, those actual dollars could have gone anywhere and evidence shows that as we give more to policing and imprisonment our communities don't become safe if it did this country would be by far the safest in the world that basic premise is enough for us on law and disorder to see that we as a society need to reprioritize that's where the call to defund the police comes from that's where the call for housing and mental health care and education resources comes from and that's why we need to continue to frame these events, not only with the terrifying impact they have on real human beings, our neighbors, but it's also why we need to center community organizing to explore and understand the political role of violence. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask and the Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>